Hi, Small Subjects listeners. We want to hear from you. Click on the link on the blog where we post photos from each episode, www.boxdioramas.com slash smallsubjects, or on our social media posts, and comment on anything we've said in this or any episode, or pose a question you'd like to hear us answer. There's no time limit, but please try to focus your comments because we'd love to include them in full on the show. Thanks. Welcome to Small Subjects, Big Ideas About Miniatures and Modeling. I'm Jim Deergatis in Chicago. And I'm Barry Biediger in Salt Lake City. Barry, uh, I don't even want to waste a lot of time with, with idle chit-chat. I'm so excited to dive into this interview with yeah. somebody uh, I've been eager to talk to on the pod for some time, Greg Selar. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know the name instantly, it's C-I-H-L-A-R. But mm-hmm. you should know the name because yeah. there ain't been a show that he's ever attended where he hasn't taken home an armful of gold medals. IPMS Nationals. He had the best diorama there this year. Uh, the MMSI, the MFCA, the World Expos, AMPS. Uh, you know, Greg is a fantastic armor modeler, diorama builder, fantasy modeler. He's done knights. He's done airplanes. I, I, the only thing I can think of I haven't seen by him, uh, and we'll ask him, maybe he'll correct us, is like a boat. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that. Maybe he'll do uh, orcs on a boat or something. That would make sense. Orcs on a on a on a on a abandoned World War II boat. Yeah, I think that, that would be, be good. Yeah. You know, um, I I think he's not one of those guys who blows his own horn. Mm-hmm. He is eminently approachable and a great mm-hmm. conversationalist. But he doesn't go around, you know. Not that some modelers do, uh, mm-hmm. with the you know, hey, look at me attitude. He's a quiet, yeah. self-effacing guy who is, simply put, a genius. So I'm really excited. Let's just dive into Greg. One note to listeners before we start the interview. Um, we had a jinxed taping day, and, and uh, uh, the audio was a little bit dicey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to say the least. I don't think it's impossible to listen to, but Greg is so great. Hopefully, uh, the conversation will carry you through. Yeah. We are so psyched. Uh, we, were, we were bordering on pestering, I think, to nail Greg Selar down for this interview because Greg is a, is a self-effacing guy, although he is a genius at every aspect of our hobby. Greg, thank you for your patience and thank you for doing this. Well, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, oh, thanks We're a lot. fans. We are fans, man. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate that. So people are always interested in finding out how people got started in modeling. So could you just start off by telling us how you got interested in modeling, how you got started? Um, when I was a little kid, um, I loved dinosaur models. Hmm. I built a lot of those when I was a little guy. Um, but then kind of got out of it um, until one day my mom and dad dragged me to a, a, like an art or a craft fair. And off to the side there was models and there were World War II German uh, model uh, figures there that uh, I was just like, oh my God, what is this? And I've been hooked ever since. So 
Were, were those those old? Um, I forget the manufacturer. I did a bunch of them. There was the Cro-Magnon man, and the Neanderthal man, the Neanderthal woman, the T-Rex. Um, Remember that series, Barry? I have no memory of that. No, sorry. I think they were monogram dinosaurs. Possibly. Really? It's been a long time, so I. Yeah. None of those exist anymore, Greg. No, they don't. Now the ones <laughs> really nice, really expensive. I went back, Greg, uh, to the bio you wrote for me, uh, for Shep, originally. I, I had to finish editing uh, the new right. Shep Armor book. And uh, and I'm always shocked. Uh, you're only uh, a year younger than me. Yep, 56. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, in, in the hobby, Greg, uh, you and me, and especially Barry, who's a couple of years younger, I mean, we're, we're like kids. I know. It's, <laughs> it's an older... It's an older crowd, especially when you start going to shows and uh, figure shows in particular. Um, guys have been yeah. doing it for a long time. so Long time. Yeah. So from the dinosaurs, I'm going to have to look these up, uh, Barry, because they were fantastic. And they all had these terrain bases that fit together. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. could buy the pterodactyl and the T-Rex the and the triceratops. And the, it, it, they were great. You see these German models at a craft fair, and yep. um, and that ups your game. What what do you go to like Tamiya and Monogram? Yes, um, mostly Tamiya, um, mm. and whatever I could get my hands on back then because I was just still a little kid. But uh, then I got out of it for a little while, and then um, walking past the hobby shop, um, I saw Verlinden, uh that black covered quarterly, mm. Mm. and. Uh, I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. So I picked it up. I've been hooked on dioramas ever since. And uh, Francois has been a huge influence on me um, from the first time I saw his work. Yeah, we want to we want to dig into that uh, a little bit later. But but what was it about dioramas? Your your sense, uh, Barry and I were talking about a bunch of your pieces. I've got the Sarnowski archive right from yes. the last ten years of MMSI shows, and my. God, you know your your techniques of storytelling uh, in in a and composition, not in that uh, you know pyramid model, uh, pyramid uh, style. You know three points. I mean, you you tried some really fascinating things with your compositions and also with your your storytelling. Every sealar piece tells a tale. Well, I I think the the with the dioramas at least I, I think it. You have to tell a story. I mean, you could do a vignette, which I seem to be doing a lot more of these days, but um, I think dioramas have to incorporate everything from, you know, story, composition, to the build, to the paint, uh, then figures have to be part of a diorama. So I think that's what I like. This is more of a challenge um, to lump all that stuff together and have it look halfway decent. So. Yeah, more than halfway decent. You know, the thing that kills me about your work, my friend, is if you go to IPMS or AMPS, you know, you're considered uh, top-of-the-line gold medal armor modeler. Some. If you go to, yeah, it's true. If you go to MMSI, MFCA, the World Expos, you're considered top-of-the-line gold medal figure modeler. We could send you down to Wonderfest, right? And you'd right. be considered one of the kings of the fantasy modelers. Yeah, um, you know, Barry and I were, were were scratching our heads. What is it he hasn't done? We don't think you've done a boat. 
We know that there's planes, armor, fantasy, figures. Have you done a boat? I haven't done a I have done a sub. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. That that counts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I gotta find a picture. You gotta send us a picture of that one. I'll bring it to MMSI next month. I, I what about uh, cars? Have you done cars? Oh cars, yeah. <laughs> Just uh German armored cars. Oh, okay. That counts. That I don't know counts. if that counts. Yeah, right. Wasn't there recently a Kugelwagen or a Schwimmwagen? Um, there was that uh, British Austin armored car. Oh, oh yeah, I yeah. recently. There but uh, just about it. I love armored cars. I love four wheel drive, six wheel drive uh, German cars. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna just put one extra requirement on it. I think we're gonna have to see a glossy paint job though for me to consider it a car. So that's yeah. that, oh, that's going to be my that challenge. Be a challenge. Yeah. yeah. I don't well, think there's any challenge uh, you're not up to. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and to me, a time years ago, somebody did one of those uh, little Japanese racing cars uh, with all the decals. and mm. But it was just like on an angle, kicking up mud. And mm. I really like that. That was yeah. cool. <laughs> So maybe something like that. Cool. Yeah, there's usually some dirt in everything yes. you do. There has to be. Um, you know, I, I made this joke. Uh, it wasn't a joke. It was a huge compliment. You know, Shep uh, Payne uh, could be stingy with his compliments. Uh, one of the favorite ones, one of the few, and my favorite that he ever gave me was, you sure have a diversity of interests. Yes. Because right? I'm showing him, you know, a fantasy thing, and I'd done a, a Carthaginian war elephant, right? Um, and that's true of you. You, you, you see, you're, you're itch, some guys, you know, I mean, they do Shermans. That's what they do. <laughs> Very true. But you, you, Greg, you're all over the map. Uh, so, so what inspires you to sit down and start a project? Um, actually, just to see somebody else's work um, mm. that I can appreciate if they've done a great job on it. I kind of get, you know, motivation from from seeing someone else's quality, and I'll try it myself and see how I can do. When's the first fantasy piece you did? Um, I think it was uh, Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the big um, one-one scale face. Yeah, of Nosferatu, and then another Nosferatu when Gollum. I've done a few of those. So yeah, that Gollum is really impressive. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they have that cold, dead-looking skin. So yeah, yeah. And and it was just seeing that stuff at the shows that you said, I'm going to try this. Yes. I mean, more online now. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, for sure, it's it, everything looks a little bit better in person sometimes um, mm-hmm. to where you can, you know, pick little bits off somebody else's work that you like and maybe incorporate it in yours um, to keep on, you know, growing your own style and your own skills. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like seeing work in person, is there? It's not the yeah, same. Not at all. That's what's yeah. so nice about going to shows. You get to meet a lot of friends and make a lot of friends and see their work. So yeah, it's it's true. Um, one of the common denominators we know whenever you do a vehicle is uh, you know we think you're you're up there with Rosengrant and that other guy. I think you know him. Andy Golden's pretty good too. Yes, and but the. And the figures are never just standing gratuitously or sitting haphazardly. Uh, there's an integration 
between your figures and your vehicles. Uh, yes. Even even when it's uh, a wedgie, you know, uh, that, that tall, uh, uh, completely distinctive, just in terms of its height, uh, piece with the Russian tank and the yes, five maybe. figures. You know, how, how do you achieve that? I've always liked, um, and I think that goes back to like the old armor modeling magazines um, with Yoshikita Hirano, um, hmm. a lot of those guys, how everything was so compact. Um, there wasn't a lot of wasted space. Um, you could get like right to the point instead of having the, the viewer's eyes drifting back and forth. It's that if you keep it, more of a compact base and pack more content up and down because I'm, I'm more vertical than horizontal mm. uh, when I build. Um, I think it just, it just focuses better and it just, it's just something that looks right to me. So that's why I do it more than anything and not to, to be one certain style, but that's just the style I like. Where does the vertical thing come from? Because, you know, I mean, so many, uh, uh, armor uh, modelers are, you know, the big, the, the tank on a big flat base. <laughs> right. And I've done a bunch of those, believe me. Um, sure, sure. But, well, you know, it, the, the piece you did for the Shep book was so different for you because it was fairly uh, a, a wide piece, you know, with a lot happening. Yeah. Uh, the tram and the, and the, but, but. Um, but it was uh, vertical. I mean, it was. Yeah. It wasn't as wide as it is tall. So. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, that was something, you know, Shep always emphasized, too, is is ha- have things happening on different levels. Right. Mostly. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted us to give him, I think, five uh, ideas for that book. And mm. we had to write it down, explain how we would do it, what it would be. And the one I wanted to do was um, a picture I saw of uh, a Berg Hetzer pulling a disabled Hetzer in Prague just loaded with wounded and mm. surrendering German troops. And I sent that to him, and he's like, nope, you're doing the tram. No explanation, right? No. That, that's, this is what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like grad school when I talk to my advisor about what I should write my thesis on. Like, yeah. no, he's going to decide. <laughs> yeah. You know, knowing, Shep, knowing Shep, I bet Rosengrant beat you to the punch. Because he had the patent with how many figures did he tell us, Barry? I, I don't know. There's there's Way more than that. I even thought. I, you yeah. know, more than a dozen figures. And, and he probably said, yeah. you know, I got a tank with wounded guys already. What else you got, Greg? Yeah. John's a fantastic uh, builder. Great guy. Um, I love seeing his work and seeing him every time we go to shows. So. Yeah, he's a real inspiration. And also, you know, it's interesting that he's interested in the fantasy as well. He does. His Yoda was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. He sure does. Yeah. And As he did, well, it be, being Yoda's baby dad. <laughs> <laughs> he brought a, uh, at Scams one year, he brought um, the models from John Carter on Mars. Um, oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, that was awesome. Does He did a great job on those, too. Yeah, those are cool. Well, that integration of the figures and the vehicles. Uh, you know, one thing I'm never sure about when I see your work is the amount of sculpting uh, or conversion. Or I mean, the, the figures are just so perfect. You figure they were made for this scene. But how much of what you do, Greg, is is uh, sculpting and how much of it is converting, you know, existing figures? It's almost all converting. Um, I've tried sculpting and it just 
I can't get it to look right to, to my eye. Um, I've done extremely large conversions, but there's always like, the, it's always a figure with, you know, broken arms or legs to turn and look in a certain way and give a certain feel. Um, and then puttied up to, to look right. But I, I couldn't, and I've tried, but I, I just can't get a, a figure from scratch to, to be where I'm happy with it. What, what do you think the hurdle is? Patience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. You want results. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes, uh, you know, I, I'm doing a box now. I don't think it'll be done for October. Uh, I'm, going, I'm going back using a lot of hysterex. And frankly, I, to get a converted figure uh, to look natural, uh, you know, half the time I've been, I've been uh, sculpting three quarters of the figure anyway. Yeah. It, I mean, with with one thirty fifth, it's easier. Um, yeah, one sixteenth, yeah. like Jeff Shuey guys, um, which I'm in the process of doing now. Um, they take a little more time, but you can see more uh, the details with sixteenth mm -hmm. scale. So um, it, it makes you realize how quick thirty fifth scale goes when you convert. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, do you modify uh, the heads on the thirty-fifth scale stuff? Because uh, I, I, I kind of recognize some of the heads, but it looks like you've modified them, or is that all done with paint? Um, it's only hornet. I, I just have, I'm comfortable painting hornet heads. Mm -hmm. um, there's like, like evolution's got really good uh, faces on their figures too, um, but I'm just, I'm used to hornet. I'm comfortable with them. They're smooth, and I only use uh, oils for my flesh tones mm. and because hornets are so smooth you can just blend and feather uh so much easier i think so you don't actually uh modify them with putty you that's all paint yes just paint oh, okay because they, yeah, they look styles they don't just look like you know run-of-the-mill because you can usually immediately tell that something's a hornet head but on your figures it's not in it I'm always thinking, is that a hornet head? I'm not really sure. But yeah, you do you do a lot of modification with the paint. Oh yeah, for I mean, if it's a like a child, their their faces are more clear. You know, obviously, there's no five o'clock shadow, mm -hmm. but um, there's a lot of different styles to accentuate the same face to make it look completely different. So mm -hmm. yeah, you that, know what Barry's talking about. If we go to the uh, the show and walk up and down the aisles in in October. Uh, you know, we can point out hornet heads. All right, and yes, I've never I felt that way about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. You know them because you, you're intimate with them. So oils on the faces, that's interesting. Do you, do you use acrylics on anything? I use acrylics on all uniforms, uh, all vehicles, everything else, groundwork. But um, <clears throat> for, like, faces, hands, arms, uh I can only use or, uh, oils. Wow. I just, I'm just not have no success with uh, acrylics for flesh tones. Hmm. How did you get started with that, Greg? I mean, it's an old school term, the Chicago school. What does it mean? I mean guys here used oils. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I, know, I'm Rob Sarnowski taught us before him. Shep taught us. You know, um, I I pretty much got it from Francois. That's um, how mm. so he did it. And when you'd go down there to see him and, uh, you know, bring stuff down there to get photographed, um, I'd pick his brain for a little bit and he'd show you how he, you know, you get started with the, the right mix for your base and then 
you brush it on, let it tack up for a second or two, and then, you know, pull it down with a dry brush. And that's mm-hmm. how you get your base for your shadow lines and, you know, the recesses for the under the eyes and nose and lips. So um, I just always started doing it that way. So I've had luck with it, I feel, uh, that I just cannot have luck with acrylics. Yeah, if it works, don't mess with it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I just think it, the oil is more of a rich, uh, like a rich color, warmer color to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some guys can reproduce that with acrylics, but not a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a deeper color with oils. It is. It's just more of a deeper flesh tone, and you can have like a, a cold, uh, like pale face for the winter with a red nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you could have like the tanned uh, Africa core type yeah. of guy, and it's super easy and uh, authentic to me looking mm. uh, with oils. And so you you do you use oils for leather as well? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Base coat it with uh, any kind of Vallejo, and then come back and wash it. And a lot of the the leather colors are basically flesh tones over brown. Mm built up little by little and uh, which is the thing with oil if you try to do uh like a full face you have to know when to say when with oils because you have to let that it has to be built up in layers to get the depth and if you try going over and finishing it like one night it's gonna all just turn brown and mm-hmm. you have to let that that highlight build up and the shadow build up uh, build up with with oils and it, it the results are much better how does this square with the I can't, I don't have the patience to sculpt? <laughs> You're telling us I got to spend three nights on a little, face. A little 35th scale face takes about, you know, 10, 15 minutes uh, for two or three nights and it's done. But yeah. getting the right putty and the right folds and, you know, the right pose, uh, I just always found it easier to convert. Yeah, I, I got it. Just giving you crap. No, you've, you've brought out the uh, investigative journalist in Jim now. I see. Great. So that's where it's going uh, from here. The second favorite <laughs> thing Chef ever said to me, uh, I was feeling bad about Greg DeFranco not particularly liking uh, one of my boxes. And when Greg had left, uh, Shep says, uh, well, just remember, Greg DeFranco's never done a real box. He's done like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So my box sucks, but yeah, that, that's true. Uh, you know, I feel I, I feel superior to in one one million percent to you because at least I, I may have done crappy sculpts, but at least I do sculpts. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing with the whole hobby; it should be fun. And yeah, if if it turns into like, oh, this is this is going to look like garbage, and uh, that's not fun. So if if you can get onto the painting and the figure, uh, right. Building parts, you enjoy favorite. the part. So, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it's also great to always have challenges. You yes. Know, yes. Absolutely. Someday I'm going to try this. Not yet, but someday. <laughs> yeah. That's like a Napoleonic guy. Uh, someday I'll have to try one. Yeah. When that's, it would have to be the right figure. And... Oh, you've done knights that are beautiful. And, uh, we were talking uh, about that Severax figure, the fantasy figure. Uh, I, I just, you know, there's not even that much leather, but I'm just like looking at your leather, and I'm like, oh my god, that's great. Yeah, just to get the distressed with uh, with oils, 
I think it really adds. It it has that little like satiny sheen to some stuff too, and uh, yeah, I, I like that book. Yeah. All right, Barry had a question about a name we've mentioned a couple of times. Okay. Um, Francois Verlinden. Yes. So so you became friends with him, and and you said you went down and visited him. So did you like hang out at his workshop, and you guys painted together, or how? No, it's we met at uh, MasterCon um, mm. way back when. Um, and he started photographing some of my stuff and they put it in the magazine, which was totally out of left field. I didn't see that coming. And, uh, just, he's like, would you like to do some more stuff? And, uh, you know, I'll send you whatever you need. Uh, we're going to put your, uh, King Beard was a 16 scale, uh, tiger diorama. And he was mm. going to put that on the cover of a MasterCon book. So, I came down there and he gave me the full tour of the whole uh, facility, the production facility, the warehouse, his offices, and studios. And, uh, it was just a really uh, a genuine guy, very nice. And uh, we both had the same uh, tastes in, you know, dioramas and uh, German stuff. And But obviously Francois is a businessman, so whatever uh, they can produce is what they sell. So mm. more focused to that, but, uh, just a, a good guy. Um, if I ever had questions, he was always, you know, there to ask, you know, or, or to answer whatever I had. And, uh, just, um, everything he said he would do, he did. So this, this was when he was down by St. Louis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Back when everybody got along. John. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, Greg, you know me well, um, and, and I, I don't intend any disrespect uh, to Francois, but when I'm growing up in, in Jersey, uh, I'm reading his magazines, I'm buying his stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 I, you know, you said you guys had similar visions. I couldn't disagree more. I mean, to me, the Berlinden diorama Barry's Land, I don't mean this in a bad way. It always elicits, though. Because uh, I'm trying to get at your philosophy of storytelling. You know, I mean, there'd be a Jeep or a tank or a truck on a base with jerry cans. Always lots of jerry cans, and he's selling a lot of those, right? Oil barrels, jerry cans. Okay. But see, um, that's what's appealing to so many people, that they just like that dirty, cluttered uh, feel of a diorama instead of just like a, a, a tank in a field. And he had well, like, the ruined buildings. The, the figures you could incorporate. So he had a whole catalog. Well, and a lot of, and a, a lot more people can do a diorama like that too, because yeah. you know it's kind of ready made. Nothing really wrong with that. But no, I, 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 I'm saying Greg is a master of storytelling. I'm thinking of that one uh, piece, Barry. You and I were talking about it. Uh, the Germans who are fending off an, an attack. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The SU seventy six. Yeah. All right. And, uh, you know, most of the action is off screen, uh, so to speak, on the right, Greg. And there's that one soldier who's looking not quite hard to the left, but, but forward and leftish. And everybody else is fighting off the threat to the right. I mean, this, the whole story is there. They're interacting with each other. And, and that one guy is telling us, oh, shit, there's worse to come. Yeah. I, I think that that comes from watching a lot of TV. <laughs> really? Uh, I used to play a lot of paintball, so mm. 
uh, you're always watching your back. But uh, <laughs> I think that it just it, it creates like a tension uh, of you know what's around the corner type of a thing instead of you know turning it into a vignette of three or four guys looking in one direction. Right. So. Right. Now storytelling, and, and that's. Uh, that's something I, I don't see a lot of in Verlinden's catalog or the many followers uh, of him. I, I wish there was more because it, it just makes a piece so much richer. Well, I think it, it did have a story to it. I mean, it was, you know, guys looking this way or loading ammunition and or, yeah. you know, creeping around the side of a building. So there was stories. But I think it was, like he always said, he's, he's 49% modeler, 51% business. So, yeah. uh, what they make what sells. So yeah, yeah. And now that's very successful, and he changed a lot uh, of the hot. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no! A lot of influence and and a lot of good for things sure. for sure. I mean, you know, him and Shep uh, together as champions of of this hobby, bringing it to the, the world. Bob. And Bob Sherman, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bob was fantastic. The stuff that he could come up with. Uh, yeah. 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 Um. You know, it's never been a business for you. Uh, you run a, a home remodeling company, right? Yes. Yeah. We restore really nasty old houses. <laughs> mm. I, I know you work like a beast because we can never get you out to an MMSI meeting. Um, uh, you know, and, and you, you, your wife, Sue, is great, uh, very indulgent. How do you find the time? You've got to come home wiped out, and yet I, I think. 2021, you had like five gold medal pieces. Really, it, it's, I get down to the model room um, for a couple hours a night. Um, and it's really the way to relax. Uh, yeah. Because you, it's just everything else gets tuned out and you can, you know, work on a figure or work on a tank. And uh, it's like that creative uh, outlet, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I've said, especially, I've been really prolific. It's been a long, hard uh, stretch here. And, uh, I mean, I can get up at 5 in the morning, and if I get an hour in the workbench, my entire day is better. Sometimes, if you if you feel like you're in a like you only have an hour, um, I also think that that gives you more of a push to get stuff done instead of just sitting at your table, you know, staring at something, which I do constantly. <laughs> just staring at it for an hour and then go, go to bed. but. Uh, until you get an idea. But. Yeah. So uh, for something like Severax or, or Gollum, uh, how much is oil and how much is acrylic? Um, it's all base coated with acrylic and then uh, like a mottled veiny uh, skin with uh, Tamiya uh, and the airbrush. Mm -hmm. um, and then different layers of like a, a dull coat, a gloss coat and more airbrushing until you get like the right cold, like blue, gray, purple, uh, type of mottled skin tone. And then you can go back with, uh, some artist oils to pick out like shadows for muscles and crevices and the, the skin, and uh, the facial features type of stuff. So, you're really so you're really talking about on the fantasy pieces two or three media, Air oh, yeah. uh, acrylic, uh, oil, um, 
that's really interesting because I mean, so much of what we'll see in October on the fantasy tables, all of it, you know, much of it, just stunningly beautiful, you know, and a hundred percent Reaper or a hundred percent model color or whatever that, you know, the fantasy acrylics. Right. I, I use a lot of uh, airbrush to really do anything. I, I try to use the airbrush more on than for figures, for vehicles, for groundwork, everything. Um, it makes it so much easier to kind of get a, a roadmap of what has to get highlighted and shadowed when you can shoot downward from an airbrush. But um, I love Tamiya. Yeah, I, I, I don't do, I tend to do mainly um, uh, scenery and groundwork and the occasional vehicle. And, and my, Tamiya is my go-to for the airbrush. Yeah, it just, it, with their lacquer thinner, um, it just yeah. flows so smooth. I used yeah. to have a poly scale, and that was just a, it was a dead flat finish, but it was just, it would just bug up the airbrush so bad. So it, it was rough, huh? And it, it was really strong. I mean, when you, when you let it uh, cure, it was strong, but it man, was. it was difficult to airbrush. It was, it was very, there's a, a ton of like grainy pigment in that paint. But mm -hmm. uh, to me, uh, it just, you can't brush it, but it, it airbrushes great. Right, right. Have, have you tried uh, using the, uh, the uh, Mr. Color leveling thinner with it? I haven't. I, I think if you like, it, it, I think it's worth trying it because if you like spraying it with the Tamiya lacquer thinner, it's actually better with the MLT. Really? Yeah. I'll give it a try. Yeah. I see. I see all the Facebook groups always raving about that stuff, Barry. Well, but there are people who will rave about things that's just complete garbage and untrue. But that's that happens to be a, a truth, I think. The well, MLT. I think Reaper is a very popular paint too. If you look at a lot of the fantasy stuff, yeah. yeah. I've never sprayed it, but I absolutely adore it for brush painting um, yeah. and for, for layering because you can take it down to ninety percent water. And, and do very, very fine glazes that are just beautiful. Yeah, it's, some of the fantasy pieces are just amazing with uh, the purples and the blues. Mm. Just gorgeous. Yeah. Which is kind of inspiring, too, when you see that. So, I, I just love your, your ability to draw inspiration from whatever's happening uh, on the different tables in the different genres. Um, I think you and I were talking over one of John Leyland's ship models last year. And, and critiquing it at, at the show. You know, it's, it's just, I, I, like I said, the highest compliment I ever got is you're interested in so many things. And I think that's absolutely true of you. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. And everything I try, some of it works, uh, some of it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Shep always said when there were no more challenges, like, what's the point of doing it anymore? Well, that's very true. That's, I mean, just like building the same the same diorama with the building in the corner and mm -hmm. the, the tank in front of it horizontal. Uh, you can only do so many of them and they're yeah. beautiful ones that are being done still, but uh, I've, I've done them. And, yeah. What do you like, Greg, about that super big scale? I mean, your, your, your tiger, um, uh, the super size one is just absolutely gorgeous. It is a tiger, right? Barry, I'm not embarrassing myself. Yeah. The, yeah. the last yeah. one. Oh, the, the one that, that one's a Luke's. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All right, uh, German tank. Yes, <laughs> German tank, right? Um, and what's startling about it is uh, you've got maybe half an inch on either side. I mean, the base is 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 absolutely compact. 
the story's all on the tank and the figures on the tank. It's uh, it, it but but still, that's a, that's a big ass tank. <laughs> it is. I love sixteen scale. Uh, you can especially the the armor, um, and there's more and more coming out now too, which is awesome. Yeah, but uh, I, I you can just get so much more detail and uh, you know story gear and everything packed on them and decks of cards to, to fuel drums and everything. Yeah. So there's so much stuff out there now that you can put on that wasn't around before. So it's kind of nice. How much do you get into the super detailing? Because especially at that scale, I mean, you could, you could just drive yourself uh, crazy if you were. Oh yeah, you can. Um, for me, the, the figures are more of a focal point and the part of the tank that they're on is kind of what I'm focusing on. So I'm not going to necessarily make sure there's the right bolt count, but uh, as long as it's, it's done weathered, painted, uh, finished. So it looks right. That's what I'm worried about. Not so much the, the super authentic detail. Yeah. For no one will ever see. So, yeah. Do you have collectors uh, for your work, Greg, or is this all in, in the basement and Sue rolls her eyes? <laughs> no, it's, as soon as it's built, it's gone. So it's, Really? Yeah. Is that equally true of like the fantasy or the night and the armor dioramas? The, it's all the dioramas, all the figures. Um, knights, there's a lot of them. But I still have never sold a fantasy, a fantasy piece. Uh, a challenge throw down the gauntlet it's with it's i mean it's good and bad i'm very thankful that people uh like my stuff enough to to want to buy it but uh it, it takes up space after a while and for yeah. me the 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 whole fun and uh enjoyment is is to build it and once i'm done with it um it's going to either go in a display case in the basement or to a collector. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you just take them to shows and, and the collectors buy them there or do you, do you do them on a commission basis or how do you No, do I don't do commissions. Um, cause then it turns into a job and I mm-hmm. hate that, but, um, there's a lot of collectors that are in touch, you know, wanting to know what's new and what are you building? What's going to be at the show uh, mm-hmm. type of stuff. So they'll, they'll either put their dibs on it or, um, someone else will so cool that's that's great now you know one of the things uh another thing that inspires me about about you and andy um i mean you guys you know we were hanging out uh all four of us uh with barry uh at, at the ipms nationals right you know you guys go to the amp shows you make the whole not anymore not so much anymore no it's i haven't been to one of those for i think the last time was with chef um mm-hmm. When it was 2015 or? Yeah, at least five, seven years ago, yeah. Okay, all right, but MFCA, yep. you've been to World Expo. Yeah, you, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it seems like you guys uh, love the show circuit and uh, the camaraderie there. Yeah, it's, it's good to have a friend you can go to shows with. Um, mm. We both have the similar interests, so um, there's always something to talk about, that's for sure. Mm. Mm. Um, 
How do you feel on the question of the open system versus what we experienced at IPMS Nats? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you had best diorama. That's as good as it gets at a bunch of uh, first places, as I recall. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, and, and Barry and I both came away with uh, placed awards. So our critique uh, on our Nats wrap-up wasn't from a place of jealousy or bitter grapes or anything. It's just, uh, I mean, you know, you are a great judge uh, or were a great judge for me at World Expo, are a great judge for me every year at MMSI uh, under the open system. How do you feel about those, the, the, the idea of rank placing instead? Well, with, uh, first, I'm a huge fan of the open system. I, I, I really like that, that whole uh, not competing against the next guy type of thing. Yeah. But uh, with, IPMS, and I'm I'm not an IPMS judge, so I can't say for sure. But I think just the sheer volume of uh, figures and tanks and planes, um, they have to get anal to to knock it down to you know one or two or three people. So I in that way I understand it, but there's a lot of uh, bitching and moaning that goes on at those shows. So. Well, it just seems stingy to me, Greg. Um, you know, those teams, I believe, work every bit as hard as the teams that that, that we've been on or led at the at the open system shows. Um, if you've got 60 Shermans and that's your job, you look at all 60 of them. Right. But you only tell three people where they fell. <laughs> well, I think it gets back to the volume. Uh, I don't know how much they spend on those awards, but... Uh, if you're getting, you saw how many, the, how full those tables were. Oh, it was uh, ridiculous. Yeah. So I think that uh, if you're going to start giving out, you know, gold, uh, silver, bronze, you're going to be spending a lot of money as a club. Uh, so I think that's probably why they do it. Craig, it cost us $60 to enter anything. <laughs> it cost me 90 Yeah, the 60 What kind of deal did you get, Jim? Am I wrong? Am I already what? with numbers. You got the uh, you got the press deal or something. Yeah, it could be. Uh, it was like thirty dollars to join. <laughs> maybe it was sixty. I, I was ridiculous amount of money. And you know, damn little medals we get at MFCA and uh, uh, MMSI. I mean, they're like like four dollars with the box, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's something they'll look to in the future, but it's, that's a whole other animal. Yeah. yeah uh, IPMS. The whole mentality is is different than uh, than a figure show like uh, MSCA or MMSI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Greg's too nice. I just can't get him to. I can't get him to get mad at me because I disagree with Jerry Cans. I can't get him to get mad at IPMS. You're just too nice, Greg. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's rare in Chicago, though, man. <laughs> well, I'm in the suburbs, not just not the city. Ah, uh, that, that's true. That's it. That's not rare. That's not rare in Chicago. I, I think people in Chicago are very nice generally. Well, nice, but yeah, blunt. Uh, to the point. Yeah, to the point, but not. I mean, that's. I don't know. But anyway, it's a city that works. We got no time for I, messing around. Uh, I've always found people in Chicago to be very, very hospitable. Mm. But well, for the most that's part, why, that's why we got to get you to move here when you retire. 
No, I'll bring down the hospitality ranking myself. No, 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 no. So where whereabouts in the Chicago area did you grow up? Sorry if I I need to do a little geo geeking around here. So. Um, I grew up in uh, Lagrange, Illinois, mm. which is uh, western suburbs of Chicago. Okay. And I live in uh, Downers Grove, uh, Illinois. Okay. Downers Grove is like a traditional suburb, but Lagrange is like horse country, ain't it? The where now? Lagrange was like horse country. No. No, no. Lagrange, it's it's right on. Everything's right along the Burlington tracks. So. Oh, okay. It's it's your old, you know, hundred year old Victorians old. Mm. John Hughes neighborhood. Mm, yeah. And so that's that what those are, you're I fixing up those old brick buildings that are crumbling. Now we do, uh, we do some brick buildings, but so they're mostly old frame, uh, Victorians, uh, yeah. Georgians, but, uh, they're for, they're old and they're with people with a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What other geo questions do you have? Uh, well, I was actually going to ask where you most of those houses are that you rehab. Uh, Hinsdale mostly. Uh, Hinsdale, Lagrange, Western Springs. Okay, so western, the far western suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, twenty-five minute drive to work. So mm. it, nice it took place. me. It, it took me a while to realize that when Jim says horse country, he means suburbs. <laughs> well, maybe you know, a hundred years ago, but. Well, I yeah. mean, any place with grass, you know. Yeah, any sort of grass, yeah. Right. Gra grass and trees unimpeded for longer than a city block is horse country to me. Oh, yeah. that's kind of like Naperville. Naperville's got a lot of... Naperville, all right. All horses right. and stables <laughs> up there. Wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm at Elston and Irving, Greg, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's like we're in the middle of uh, of the city, you know. It's a yeah. industrial city. Yeah, it's... I, I lived in Berwyn for a little while, um, which is about as close to the city as I could take. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So um, uh, where do you see the hobby at? You're, you're, you're 57, right? Um, I just turned 58. Where do you see it going? Um, it's hard to say. I think it's, other than the fact that there's not a lot of hobby shops anymore, everything's yeah. mail order. Um, Mary and Marty still have their shop, but that's about the last of the old shops in the Chicagoland area. Yeah, so, M&M &M models down, down the uh, south of the city. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of, up here, there's a couple of train shops that, that have supplies we might need. A fantasy shop, too. Games Plus is good. Yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah, there's a game right. downers too. So yeah, but yeah, I think that it's it's like with Al's hobby and Elmhurst, um, mm -hmm. that was my like Saturday morning routine. Go straight to Al's hobby, see what's new, any of the new Verlinden figures or Warriors figures, uh, any of the new tanks. Uh, that was my Saturday, and I look forward to that big time. Mm. But I think it, it, he's gone. They're all gone, and. When you had those shops, there was always other guys hanging around the shops too that you could sit and talk to, um, talk about you know building. But now it's most of the stuff is on Facebook or Instagram. People put it online, uh, so you don't get to like you know talk to them and meet them as much, mm -hmm. at least locally. So I think in that way it's it's kind of changed. Uh, 
but that's why I like shows because you can still go and you know talk to people and meet the people that, that built this and ask them questions how they did that. Or, you know. mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's nice, but I think it's probably just the direction that uh, the hobby's going. Is there'll be a few shows, but everything's mail order. So clubs. Do you, do you see uh, Young Blood coming in? A few. Uh, you see some guys that are really good. They they'll show up for a year or two and then just disappear again. So yeah. it's it's hard to say. Um, I just love I love building. I love painting. Uh, I look forward to the shows every year. But yeah. you know, I mean, life happens too. Sometimes you can't. And, well, you know, it's interesting. Barry uh, never veered away from it after starting as a teen. You know, uh, college, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Uh, only really rock and roll. I just throw the other two in. <laughs> you know, I didn't come back to it until years later. Um, uh, you know, I, I am enthused by uh, the biggest category at, at IPMS Nats after, after, you know, Sherman's. Uh, was after planes, I mean, planes, yeah. planes, 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 yeah. planes, planes, planes. Uh, I mean, those fantasy tables were overflowing, literally like spilling off the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's nice to see it, and that's there's a lot of the with the fantasy stuff too. Is a lot of the 3D printed stuff is just uh, amazing. The detail mm-hmm. uh, that would be almost impossible to to sculpt and then part out to be you know cast. In, in resin so uh, it's the 3d printers is the way of the future for sure i, I told you jim i know you just said that the other day mm-hmm. i i think it's great for for you know i wouldn't want to uh if i couldn't find the road wheels i needed i would not want to have to scratch a couple dozen of them you know i think it's great for stuff like that what about have you done any any of the 3d printed uh, figures greg i have um Panther uh, has 35th scale uh, yeah. that are 3D printed, but they're they're smaller because they're 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 scaled up to be 30, you know, a true 135th scale. So they're yeah. a little smaller than uh, like Evolution uh, for Linden Warriors Jaguar type of stuff, but um, they're very nice. And I think with with fantasy type of stuff the 3d printer is amazing um, there's some medieval night type of stuff coming out uh 3d printed that's a really really nice mm. but i haven't seen it in person with my eyes i've only seen it on you know, on I, you know I, i'm not one of these luddites uh who's who's against 3d printing uh barry, barry was kind of joking that i was but my problem so far and i've done a variety of, of printed out 3d from different uh, uh companies Either you get that really brittle, almost like paper, glassy paper uh, material, or you get um, uh, a really soft, almost like Mark's toy. So I've yet to find anything as good as, you know, a good resin cast warriors. Uh, Panzer Art's pretty good. Hmm. You done one of those, right? No, I haven't. But uh, like I was saying before, the... It's the resin better. is improving all the time, and it's yeah. it's getting very similar to resin plastic consistency now. It's a little softer. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it's a little shiny, which I I can't stand shiny resin. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 
the detail on some of the stuff is just amazing. And it can only be done 3D printed. There's no way you could cast and then, you know, break it down to be uh, for production-wise and and sell it to have it fit that good. It's it's really shocking. Mm. There was a uh, was it a, a Predator bust at the Nationals that mm-hmm. uh, the guy uh, Bob Waltman that sculpted it or that 3D casted and. There's no way you could do that with a regular model, yeah. with the undercutting, and it was just—it was just gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, I—I I just wish uh, the resin was a little better, <laughs> but we're getting there. It will. It's—it's it's like anything. I mean, I'm, I can remember years ago seeing a, a seminar at a, or a demonstration on 3D printing. I was just like, yike. That's—that's mm-hmm. that's not even close to be, you know, sale or sellable, but. Uh, the stuff now is just gorgeous. Yeah, I'll I'll bring you a couple examples, Jim, in October. You know. Okay, I had that Lancaster, which is in Greg's basement. <laughs> no, you, you, better, that. you better have a pretty good sized basement because that was not a small box. I, I appreciate your taking it home from Omaha. Uh, no problem at all. Those were Tory factory figures, and uh, yeah, I mean the, the the design was beautiful. Uh, yeah. And you can barely see them because it's in a bomber at night. <laughs> but uh, I had a joy painting them. But still, you know, I had to move an arm or two. And it was really difficult because it, it was not as strong as regular resin or styrene or metal. Yeah, sometimes. And that's that's the case, too, with, with vignettes and dioramas. You're always converting or shaving or, you know, so a guy sits right or has his arm mm-hmm. placed right and doesn't look too posed. So. So what's on work uh, right now, Greg? What are you bringing to MMSI? Um, I've got a Teutonic uh, night vignette, mm. uh, a couple 16-scale figures, a couple 35th-scale smaller vignettes, and then if I have enough time, I'll finish a, a Celt that I'm working on, but <laughs> probably not enough time. I love, I love that variety. That's great. And my orc, my orc bust. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. And you're going to bring uh, uh, the diorama that won best diorama at Nats, or that was, did we already see that last year? Um, that wasn't it. Uh, that wasn't at Chicago last year. You've got to keep a list of what you bring to what shows, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've, I've caught myself. I'm like, did I bring this? And I'll ask Andy because he has pictures of everything. I'm like, did I bring this? He's like, yeah, you brought it. So. <laughs> well, better finish that kelp then. <laughs> well, uh, I think that's everything I had. Barry, yeah. were you writing down other questions? Uh, well, no, just to wrap up the challenges we have for Greg, uh, Napoleonic yes. and a car. And a car. And a glossy. And the challenge for you, Jim, is to look at a Luke's and a Tiger and be able to tell me the difference uh, in October. Yeah. Um, as a woke individual, I pride myself <laughs> in not knowing the minutia of the Nazi army. Thank you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, it, it gets, uh, uh, you know, Greg, uh, you know the day job, right? I mean, I can tell you all five. Yes, there were five guitarists in Moby Grape in 1967. But I'll be if I can. What what are the guys who jump out of planes for the German army called? Paul Schwarzenegger. Yeah, there you go. If I, if I can remember that, much less how to pronounce it, I'll be damned. Yeah. Well, 
it's again, it's it's what you're interested in. That's it's that's why you should build what makes you happy, what you like. It's supposed to be a fun hobby. So yeah. Oh, it absolutely is, and I think the joy comes through in all of your pieces, and uh, and that's why I I love. Uh, uh, it, it was it was. I, you're just so so self-facing. You know, some of these guys who have as many goals as you have, Greg, we never hear the end of it. <laughs> and you're like, twisted your arm. Which, you know, hey, will you do a seminar? You know, I don't know if I have anything to say. What are you talking about? You're a freaking yeah. genius. <laughs> well, some people like to tell everybody how good they are, but I, <laughs> I'm not that type, so... No, well, we love you. Thank you for taking the time. Of course. I'm sorry it's been so hard to get a hold of. So. No, 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 no problem. You got a day job and you got a Celt paint. And uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I, I, just think nice. people, I, I think many people have loved your work and they've never put your name together because you weren't standing there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Telling I mean, people, oh, that's me. <laughs> Yeah, we needed to put you out there, man. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Greg. We will All see right, you in a couple night. weeks. Me too. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Man, that was fun. It's also, it I mean, I've hung out with Greg. You've hung out with Greg. Together, mm -hmm. we've hung out with Greg. And it's not like he's quiet. He chats, you know, but he just doesn't chat about his own brilliant work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that I remember when I first met him, I, 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 I might have even said out loud, you're Greg Selar? Because mm -hmm. I didn't, he just doesn't strike you as being this hugely influential modeler because he does not, he does not give off that air of, you know. yeah. And yet, and yet he is. And I love the fact, uh, you know, Shep Payne never paid me a lot of compliments, and rightly so, because I was, you know, when I first met him, and he's giving me feedback, I'm just starting out. But I was so thrilled when he said this, well, you certainly have a diversity of interests. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was showing him a Carthaginian war elephant and a Napoleonic and a fantasy, right? And, and, and Greg has all those interests, except he's, you know, world-class gold medal in each of them. In every one, yep. In yeah. every one of them. So was so, that uh, like Shep saying, that's a nice base, or was no, that kind of no, like that? No, <laughs> I, I, think, I think he was... I, I, I took it as encouraging. Yeah, I think you so. Know, I took I it as so. encouraging. Yeah. Um, as always, when we do a chat with one of our favorite artists, we like to highlight two pieces each to talk about what uh, what what we think makes them great. And I'm going to lead us off. I could literally, uh, I have the photo archive from the last 10 years of MMSI shows mm -hmm. and the World Expo in Chicago. I could have talked about any one of 50 Greg Selar pieces. Yeah, but I'm no going to go with two from this last year, right? Mm -hmm. 2021. Uh, I'm going to start with the Russian tank. Uh, it, it is a brilliant piece of armor modeling. Uh, obviously, a, a battle-damaged tank. The, the beautiful, uh, beautifully done uh, uh, rust and weathering and bullet holes on this fantastic uh groundwork with uh five figures who are all wary and scanning the horizon and any one of them on a base would have been a, a great gold medal uh single figure together they they 
combined to tell this story of tension and the awareness of each other without anybody but one guy looking at the others. But here's the single biggest, most unique thing. Uh, I love when I've seen, when I'm seeing something that I haven't seen before. Wedgies can be uh, controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, why didn't you show us the rest of the tank, right? Unless you were doing the portion of the aircraft or tank or whatever that was only necessary to the story. The classic example I always cite is a good friend and mentor to uh, Greg Selar, uh, Dan Tizanchik, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. with Il Duce yeah. on the, uh, uh, the hood of an armored car doing his pontificating. Yeah. Uh, here we get exactly as much uh, of the uh, huge Russian tank as we need, but the entire scene is vertical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is so rare to see uh, vertical, tall, but narrow uh, dioramas. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I just realized why I don't usually like wedgies and that's because they're usually done just because they can do a wedgie they're not doing it as an intentional part of the composition a lot of people when they make wedgies they're just right. like I'm, I'm gonna cut the corner off a tank well you have to have a reason to do it and Greg has a reason for doing it here it's part of his composition he's thought the composition out yeah yeah, and it's an unusual composition, too. It's kind of a zigzag of the figures uh, as opposed to that much vaunted pyramid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you know, in, in certain competitions, I guess this would be considered a diorama, not a vignette, right? Oh, God, let's not get into those yeah, IPMS okay. rules. I, right. I think it's brilliant. Whatever it is, it diorama, is vignette, I mean, the depth of storytelling, the execution of the painting and the conversions and the armor modeling, the weathering. Man, it's beautiful. I, I wish I was that good. What do you got? Well, um, the first one is an SU-76 vignette um, mm-hmm. with a, kind of a, a, a type of composition that Greg does particularly well with a, a vehicle at an extreme angle with tightly grouped soldiers around it. Yeah. That's the main reason I picked this is because it's such a good example of that. The one he best he won best uh, diorama um, with in at IPMS Nats is similar to this kind of yes with the armored car in World War One with the yeah with the packed um, the gr- the tightly grouped uh, soldiers uh, attacking up the hill I guess well or... and and I mean it just makes perfect sense if yeah. your uh, infantry uh, being shot at uh, you know you're gonna stick as close to that hunk of metal mm-hmm. for protection as humanly possible. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it gives you, there's all kinds of things it does. It also gives you a sense of, uh, of being surrounded because they're so claustrophobically, you know, jammed together like that. And also the drama of the, the armor piece set at an angle like that. Yes. Yes. I I think, I think that is, that's, uh, such an effective, um, uh, composition. Well, yeah, you know, and it's the same sort of vertical idea I was talking about, uh, the way it's, it's, it's uh, on an incline. You know, mm-hmm. our, our, our eye is drawn. I also love the depth of the storytelling because clearly these soldiers are facing a threat mm-hmm. uh, from the right. And then we have this one guy who's looking in the opposite direction, al- mm-hmm. almost the opposite direction. Yeah. You know, uh-oh, we, there's more. Uh, that we're facing than we thought yeah yeah it definitely yeah yeah, it definitely gives you the feeling of uh 
imminent doom? Yeah. All right. I said uh, Greg is a master of anything he tackles. I've seen beautiful knights. I've seen uh, all sorts of figures. Uh, this is another uh, figure from 2021 uh, that is a fantasy figure. Mm-hmm. Severax. S-E-V-E-R-A-X. Uh, so named, I guess, because this incredibly muscled, uh, very Frank Frazetta-like figure uh, has got the biggest axe I've ever seen. Uh, he's wearing a, a, a mask of metal that's quite imposing. He's got a sword, a short sword, and he's got skulls on his belt, and he's got teeth on his necklace. He's got chain mail. He's got a fur cape. He's standing in the snow. Um, I mean, as fantasy painting goes, uh, I mean, that's world class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it, is it just me or is he giving a Chicago one finger salute? He might be doing that. You know, and yeah. Greg is from uh, the South Suburbs. So you got a little there of that. You, <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, Greg Greg is, you know, a pretty buff guy. And, uh, you know, he's not not as muscled as, as Severax here, but uh, maybe yeah. there's a little bit of Severax in him. <laughs> yeah. I love the flesh on this. I love how he painted the flesh. Flesh is great. I love the leather. I have yeah. a hard time with leather. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that's great. The chain mail is beautiful. And he seems to have blue hair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. We should uh we should talk to him about how he paints uh leather. Yeah, yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Well, you got one more. Yeah, so he had this I think it was at MFCA. And yep. then he had it at IPMS uh Nats. And it was and... it was at uh uh MMSI too, because oh. that's a Bob Sarnowski photo from twenty twenty. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I, I wasn't there, so I didn't see it then. Um but uh, yeah, I love this piece and it's a good example of of something I love to see, which is an armored vehicle that is interacting with the terrain. Mm. And it and it looks like it's part of the terrain. And it's uh, and it and it's a great example of his armor modeling skill. I, I, I'm really big fan of his armor modeling. Well, and this is that massive scale, right? One this is one sixteenth scale. Yeah, <laughs> that it's, was it's, a hunk of metal. Yeah, it's massive, uh, and and of course the figures are, as usual, beautiful. You know, the only figures I've seen uh, merging as well with a vehicle are by John Rosengren. Yeah, very similar to the John Rosengren. He has a good feel for making them look like part of the scene, not just being tacked on. No, they're not just glued on top of that vehicle. And and they were both in that uh, Chepain armor modeling book uh, as contributors that I got to edit, yep. uh, right. unfortunately, after Shep's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, that that's a, a brilliant piece of modeling. And, you know... Uh, he is not making it half an inch bigger than it needed to be. You know, it's a tight base. It's a tight composition. The story is all on the vehicle. But you're right. The groundwork that is there, which is almost just just a little bit bigger than the length of the vehicle, is perfect. And the Mm -hmm. vehicle is set in it in such a wonderful way. Yeah, that's right. No, I I think, you know... composition does not always have to be a tight composition, but this is a good example of how effective it can be. Yeah, you know, I mean, all the pieces we're talking about uh, are really tight composition. I have seen examples of... uh, of Greg's work that that are a little bit bigger diorama wise, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think he has that perfect eye 
for uh, composition, uh, uh, giving us exactly what we need to get yeah. the story. Yeah. No more, no less. Right. You know. Very true. And, uh, well, clearly, we're both big uh, Greg Selar fans. I will Definitely. confess the, the only uh, challenges we had with this podcast, well, one was getting him to talk, because, as I said, he's very self-effacing. And two, you know, Greg travels as a duo. It's the dynamic duo mm-hmm. with Andy Golden. Mm-hmm. Uh, another great guy. Another great guy, another uh, Chicago medalist, another... Yeah, I mean, they they... they there's lots of reasons to confuse them, although they're both very different, um, uh, because they both do everything. They both do yeah. fantasy. They both do armor. They both do figures. And uh, we were thinking of having them both on uh, together because it's rare to see them separate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I guess it's like you and me at shows. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's a little more of an Oliver Hardy, Stan Laurel thing happening with us. Right. Um, you know, uh, so so Andy is getting an episode of his own, uh, but I draw endless inspiration for both of these uh, Chicago area artists because of just how much they're willing to tackle and how generous they are in sharing. Yeah, yeah, very true. Sharing their techniques. Yeah. So thank you once again, everyone, for listening. We want to hear from you. We are paying for this Telby program, and people are sending us great emails. And people uh, are experimenting with leaving these voice messages. You may have heard us playing them on the show. It is a joy. It is a joy to bring in the voices, uh, you know, from from all over the country. Whether it's Jack Lynch out in out in Pennsylvania or or Jamie from South Australia, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, uh, it's great. If you got something to say, even if it's uh, we're full of it, uh, probably they'd say that about me, not you. But um, uh, whatever feedback you've got, whatever questions you'd like to raise, we include the link on the blog for this podcast, which is on BoxedArabs.com. And Barry, when he lets you all know we have a new uh, episode dropping, puts it in the social. That's right. And uh, it's, it's great to include that element. Yeah, I'd like to hear from more people, definitely. Yeah, take advantage. There's a lot of podcasts out there. You can find them all at modelpodcast.com. Nobody else is doing that yet, right? No, not yet. I don't think so. It's a a good idea. I don't care if they rip us off, but, uh, you know, it's a great (laughs) idea to hear from. Well, nobody listens to us, so they they haven't gotten the idea yet. Barry, we have a small but dedicated following of discerning connoisseur listeners right (laughs) and who cares we have fun doing it anyway yeah that's right that's why we do it there you go thanks for listening yep thanks hello jim and barry this is mike aluzzi calling from peoria illinois recently discovered your podcast and really enjoyed 26 with chris mcgrath And then, of course, the IPMS discussion with John Bonani on 25, working my way back through the podcast. Regarding movie coverage of miniatures, Three Days of the Condor is my favorite, too. Here is my list of celebrity modelers. John Travolta, Aircraft. Peter Jackson, Aircraft. Rod Stewart, Model Trains. Model Railroader did a cover story of his 1,500-square-foot layout in 2007. And Sam Posey, model trains. Uh, for us race fans, he drove an F1, IndyCar, Le Mans, one Sebring, 
was an ABC sports broadcaster and also wrote the book Playing With Trains. Hey, Barry and Jim, it's Chris here from the Spirit Cutters Union and Models from Ukraine podcast. Just wanted to say how much I enjoyed your recent episode about tools. Actually, it was uh, pretty enlightening. There's a lot of stuff in there I hadn't thought of, and it sent me running to Amazon to buy some stuff myself. I would say uh, my favorite razor saw and some of my favorite tools come from Shimamura Alec, which is uh, S-H-I-M-O-M-U-R-A-A-L-E-C. Really great company, amazing um, razor saw from that one. And uh, yeah, I'm also going to be going out and buying some of those medical swabs you recommended because they sound great. However, I have to pull you up on one fact. Uh, I don't understand your weird hate for Swan Morton. So um, I think perhaps you and I need to have a proper chat sometime about this. All right. Take care. Bye. Hey, Jim and Barry. Justin Ryan coming to you live from sunny suburban Philadelphia. While my Philly accent isn't nearly as glamorous as that South African fellow on the last episode, I hope that you fellas can get through this. I have been told that I've got a voice for radio. Or was that a face for radio? Well, whatever. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know that I love the show, and while I've always added figures to my ordinance builds, it's your influence with this podcast, coupled with those Shep Payne monogram inserts, and eventually is how to build dioramas books from my early teen years that has really pushed me towards improving my figures. I've also begun attending those monthly meetings of the MFCA at AAA Hobbies with the likes of Jack Lynch and all those other amazing figure modelers. So hopefully some of that skill will be absorbed from being in the close proximity of such talent. I just missed meeting you fellas at the MFCA show this past May, but hopefully at the next show we can share a few laughs. Uh, I also wanted to let you know my nine-year-old daughter has recently expressed interest in figure painting, so I picked up a box of those nondescript gaming minis from that jungle purveyor of fine products. She absolutely loved the box dioramas you guys had on display at the MFCA show, so just maybe that that could be something that we could work on in the future. Anyhow, I guess this nonsense has been going on long enough. Love the show, fellas. Keep it coming. Take care, guys. Maybe I'll see you at one of those MFCA meetings at AAA Hobbies. <laughs>